0: And welcome to the Friendship News Hour presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. Today is August the 8th, 2023. My name is Frank. His name is Alex. Sir, your time is up. Oh, no. What'd I do? Generation Z, which is not you, will be the last generation of Americans with a white majority, according to census data. How about that?
1: We had a good run, Frank. (laughs) I'd say. We had a good run. Oh, that's interesting. Isn't that
0: crazy? I, I, I mean, I, I know in like some areas, uh, particularly in like uh, Southern California, where, you know, Mexican is, is the majority, majority mm. minority, as, like, as they like to call it. You can still be a minority even, <laughs> even though you're in a ma- majority. But apparently, and this is from The Hill, uh, Gen Z will be the last generation with a white majority.
1: I saw a picture the other day saying, I think it was like 100 or 200 years from now, average human, and it's pretty much we're all just going to be light skinned. Really? We all, yeah, it's, it's all, I mean, and these are just, you know, forecast guesses and stuff, but I guess it makes sense because like, you know, our grandparents and our parents' generation usually stuck to their own kind, if you will. Mm-hmm. Think that that obviously is changing more and more and more. You see more and more, you know, mixed couples and things like that. So it would only make sense that the kids would become increasingly more mixed, but right, it is weird to think about everyone kind of just being light-skinned, light, light kind of looking the same someday.
0: I would think that, like, the darker pigment would win out, no?
1: You would think so, but I don't know. I always hmm. think about that, like, because we all come from the Fertile Crescent, supposedly. Supposedly. You know, so we, we all would have started with darker skin tones based just living on the equator and, and that happening to our skin due to the sun, but it's like, how did it change so drastically in such what, to me, seems like a short-ass time? Because, like, even even Native Americans still had Dark, like a darker skin tone to them, and they lived in a, in America. It wasn't like you know super. What is it? It's the melanin in the skin that activates from the from the sun, and that's why people have darker skin color. Correct. Right. So I mean that obviously makes sense in in Africa and, and countries close to the equator, but. Like African Americans still had that hue, but then you go just north of Africa, you know a thousand mi- not even a thousand miles up into Europe and stuff, and people are s- pure white, pure you white know? like how, how did that uh, over time? I, it just doesn't seem like enough time would have passed for that to happen. right, Yes, you'll have to remind me that
0: we need to do an entire episode and maybe get an anthropologist on here to talk about how the out of Africa theory is almost completely false,
1: yeah, yeah, I, I man, just thinking of it from there, it's got to be. You can see
0: the ancient Egyptians
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, were very light-skinned, had blue eyes. Really? Uh, oh yeah.
1: See, I just assumed that they were black being from nope. Africa.
0: Not at all. It's mm. in a lot of the texts. Uh, even today in like uh, Pakistan and, and like Syria and the, the parts of, of that uh, the parts of the world, there's pockets of homogenous tribes that are light-skinned, fair-skinned, blue eyes. And it all kind of goes back to the idea of the Aryans. Aliens. The aliens, yes, correct. <laughs> the Aryan aliens. I didn't say Aryans. I said, no, yeah. No, no, really it does. <laughs> it, it, goes, it goes back to, you know, like, I mean, like legit the lost city of Atlantis and, and all that stuff. I mean, there's, a, there's yeah. a lot there. There's a lot there. I mean, obviously a lot that we don't know, but.
1: I'd be willing to bet that like maybe the native to the world people were black mm-hmm. and maybe if something extraterrestrial came here. That is where the white skin turns eh, come in. Maybe. And like the, the, I don't know. I feel like we've kind of controlled things for a long time and aliens could be behind that maybe. <laughs> know. Who knows,
0: right? Like who knows what the heck yeah. happened. The theory is from the analysis of ancient human remains and that Homo sapiens almost certainly came out of a, Some sort of not like a mutation, but like crossbreeding between other Homo erectus or or Homo. uh, I believe that. What'd you call it? I I forget the names uh, right now. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm in no way a scholar on this. It goes back to
1: the Anunnaki. Anunnaki? Yeah. So it's the Anunnaki. This is way back, back like ancient Sumerian times. But suppose like it's a supposed race that came to the world and crossbred our DNA with other Mm -hmm. animals basically to to make us mine gold. (laughs) The earth was really rich in gold. And that is what supposedly what was what they used to put into their atmosphere, which was falling apart, and that would protect it from their star. Uh, so they used humans to mine the gold, take it back to their world or whatnot. Uh, so they kind of like created slaves, I guess. Hmm. And actually, in climate change and all the shit that's going on now, that's an, an idea that has just been thrown out recently that we should try to do. And there's text of this from way, you know, Vandernake, I think, was... Over twelve thousand years ago, from scripts and shit that they found on them, so nothing I guess is proved or anything, but that is that is like a, a story I've heard of how we could have gotten here and why we're different.
0: Yeah, I'd not, I'd not heard that. But one of the crazy things about this new scientific breakthrough, if you if you're to take the analysis at face value, that we are not all genetically the same, mm-hmm. and that there are differences from a biological standpoint from human to human doesn't mean better or worse. But, yeah, right. But but we're you know. We're not the same mm-hmm. as somebody in Africa, as somebody in Southeast Asia, as somebody in
1: Norway, right? Demonstrated by the NBA. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Indeed. If you want to hear more about the Anunnaki and the Sumerians, uh, Zachariah Sitchin went on Rogan not too long ago, and he got all up into it. And it's Zachariah very, very Sitchin. Aged. Yes, dude. Indeed. He's a smart man.
0: Man, I got so many stories today, Al. So many. Okay. Hit me. This is just the first one. There was a video that was circulating the interwebs uh, from South Africa. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a leftist South African political party. Was at, It looked like a big giant stadium, like a huge rally. And there's thousands of people there. And he started, this guy's name's Julius Malema. He started chanting, kill the boar, which refers to white farmers. And the entire crowd just started chanting, kill the boar, kill the Boer," right? Mm. And uh, people on Twitter saw this and, and were, you know, understandably shocked. They're, they're calling for the killing of these people. What is going on? And the New York Times comes out with an article basically saying, eh, don't worry about it. Like, yeah, those are the words they're saying, but they don't really mean it. I mean, legit, this is what the article saying. I'm quoting now directly from this New York Times article. Despite the words, the song should not be taken as a literal call to violence. According to Mr. Malema and veterans of his, and historians of the anti-apartheid struggle, it's been around for decades. One of many battle cries of the anti-apartheid movement that remain a defining feature of the country's political culture. Okay, I'm willing to hear that, but replace kill the boar with flying the Confederate flag. It's like mm. the exact same thing, yeah. right? Yeah. It's not hatred. It's heritage, brother. It's the, I mean, they're saying the exact it's same the thing same here. Thing. Right. It's the exact same thing. I, I, it's, it, it's shocking to me that the New York Times would put out this article. The chant was born at a time when black South Africans were fighting a violent racist regime and was made popular in the early 1990s by Peter Makaba, a former youth leader in the African National Congress. Uh, But the Liberation Party has governed South Africa since the beginning of the multiracial democracy nearly 30 years ago, distanced itself from the song in 2012, and the same year expelled Mr. Malema for his incendiary statements.
1: Um, Why why do you got to support it? Why do you got to defend it? Yeah, but I don't know their situation at all, man. Like Africa always, it astounds me how poor of a country it is for how much money they produce. And I have to think that has to be somehow white people fucking them again (laughs) like most of the diamonds in the world come from africa most of the like the lithium like whatever they use to make lithium batteries comes from africa so like just right there those are two huge exports and their countries in shambles other than south africa where all the white people are it's weird it's like why do these people just keep getting fucked I could see why they would chant that at least.
0: Yeah, I guess. Like you, I don't know a ton about South Africa specifically, South Africa, but Africa as a whole. Right. Like I'm, I'm not super well versed on it. I do know that a lot of white farmers have been like killed. This happened in Zimbabwe, I believe. Yeah, yeah it was Zimbabwe. In the early 2000s, thousands of white farmers were either killed or forced from their farms as a, as a way for the, I guess indigenous people. I don't, again, I don't know all the history, but they wanted to take back what they thought was rightfully theirs. <laughs> and the problem was nobody knew how to farm except the farmers. Mm. So they took all the farmers out of the farms and then nobody knew how to produce any food. So they couldn't produce any food. People went hungry. They experienced hyperinflation and even like today you can go on Amazon and, and get like a $1 trillion Zimbabwe note because <laughs> it's just oh, like they just Jesus. had to continue to print money and, and it completely ruined their their economy. And, and, and you know, I don't, I don't know. How do, you, how do you come back from that, right? Especially, right, with, yeah. you know, if you take away all those farmers.
1: There's a chance America might find out sooner than later. Shit, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. But I know in South Africa, there's been quite a few murders of the, the white people people, particularly farmers. Mm-hmm. I saw a video and again, I don't know how true or how much to read into this, but it was a video of like a street lined with crosses and it just kind of went on for like what looked to be miles. I mean, it may not have been that long, but it was a lot of crosses. Right. So it's like, well, shit, I don't know. I don't know what to believe in all that. Yeah. Uh, but there was a really interesting uh, article that I read recently from somebody from Africa. And I can't, I can't remember where, but they basically made the the point that it's, communism that destroyed Africa. And that's how you get a lot of these despots in in the Congo and in a lot of places in Africa, because they were sold the dream of communism, which started giant power struggles. And now that's basically all you have is power struggles. And they they made the point that Hmm. if democracy were allowed to flourish in Africa in the ways that it has in the West, chances are that Africa uh, thrives and that the, the poverty that is seen in Africa is is not nearly as bad as it is. again I don't know all of that but I thought it was interesting and, I, and it's funny that you brought that up because I, I just read this a couple of days ago but anyway that's South Africa shame on the New York Times for writing that article
1: shame I mean they always kind of lean left you know so it would make sense that they would keep that going worldwide I guess
0: I know but it's just so it's just so like uh, like nakedly fa- like you you just tear it down immediately yeah if you make that that same argument in South Africa you, you'd have to apply it to America and, and you know, and, and allow for some duplicitous things, right? Like not even anything controversial, like, hey, maybe we should not tear down the statue of Andrew Jackson because of the, you know, yeah, he was a slave owner, but it was a different time. Right, like it's a, it's a exact same argument. How do you feel about him? I don't know anything about
1: Andrew Jackson. He's like so divisive. Like people either love or hate that dude. Like I think we we attribute our entire banking system to that man, right? Isn't that like his big to thing? Be quite honest, with you, I I have no I don't know very much. No? about No, uh, yeah, I think that was he, the case. But then like he's on the twenty dollar bill. But I think he was a really really big piece of shit. Yeah, he was not loved. I think I believe. Yeah, but
0: they hear about this riot in New York, dude.
1: Yes, yes. Wasn't what it, the it hell, over playstations? Wasn't it playstation it was over, giveaways? Yeah. Uh, do you know who the the streamer was that Yeah, that he's like this? the biggest streamer, in, one of the biggest streamers in the world. Kai Hilarious. I've never yeah.
0: heard. It, it was, it Kai Kysenet, is that how you say it? Yeah, he's,
1: he's, uh, he's huge. He's big on like, uh, you know, Aiden, Aiden Ross, you ever heard of that dude? Yes. He's like good friends with him. And like they, I think they're on kick now. I think they stream on kick because Twitch was doing crazy shit. But yeah, like he, Kysenet holds the record for like the most Twitch followers ever before he got kicked off of that platform.
0: He got kicked off, huh?
1: He got kicked off, yeah, because he was... It's a long story, but like when he became their biggest streamer, they sent him a pair of shoes that he didn't like really give a fuck about. They were like custom shoes. And then someone else that I think was trying to get him to kick sent him like some sick, nasty shoes that like you could tell he liked way more and was talking all about them. And so they kicked off platform for promotion. They're tightening down on your ability to like market other companies on their website. So they use that as the way to get him the fuck out of there. Damn. Yeah. Well,
0: he is facing charges of inciting a riot and promoting an unlawful gathering in New York City after he uh, he drew thousands of his followers, many of them teenagers, with promises of giving away electronics, including a new PlayStation. Now, I've not heard in any of these stories that I've read that they actually got the PlayStations, but there yeah. were <laughs> <I> mean, thousands <laughs> of kids in New Yorks. I mean, thousands of them.
1: It was nuts. Dude. And
0: yeah. uh, it was really, I mean, pretty abhorrent behavior. I mean, it's like for no reason jumping on cars and like breaking shit and just Mm -hmm. acting like a bunch of hooligans for absolutely no reason. Let's see. He was uh, released Saturday from police custody and uh, was giving a a, uh, a notice to appear in court. The mayhem in New York City's Union Square on Friday afternoon put further focus on the whole social media influences have on the people who follow and fawn over them. I'm not sure this guy should do any jail time, but I think for sure you need to send a message that you have responsibility over the thousands if not millions of people that watch you and if you're going to do something like that you got to think it through a little bit a little bit more right it can't it can't right. end up in a riot in the middle of New York City
1: or I'd assume get permits like you know the figure you are online and like the impact you have and when you say hey come and we're going to give a bunch of shit away you know what that's going to turn into like i'm sure there's ways to get permits in New York if you really want to do that like cuz that's good for your brand obviously like if they did this the right way and there was police and it was more structured, you know, it could have, it would have been, you know, a good look and bunch of people, but instead it just turns into what it turned into. And it's like, you're going to, I think he's facing what, two felonies?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, like, hey, we're going to be at this big giant park, right? Come Mm -hmm. to the park. (laughs) Don't go to the middle of New York. Police arrested 65 people, including 30 juveniles. Several people were injured, including some with bloody faces. At least four people were taken away in ambulances. He probably doesn't feel good about that. I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he's, I don't know. How old is he? Do you know how He's old he younger.
1: Is? He's younger. I don't know his exact age. In his defense, though, I saw several videos of him, like, saving... Like 21. 21, yeah. Yeah. I saw several videos of him saving some people, for, like, from being trampled and, and like... Oh, one he was pers- there. Yeah, oh, he was definitely there. Oh, yeah. That was, okay. like, the whole... The main big draw, I guess, like, that he was there giving away shit. But I did see footage, and maybe this is just, like, put out by his team to make him look better. But it was him, like, doing the best he could to, like, protect people that were in bad situations due mm. to the, the crazy shit that was going on, so... At least he tried. Yeah, I don't know. Not a good look for the youth. Yeah, really, dude.
0: And then go, have fun. You know, I'm not, Look, I did my fair share of things in, in my day. I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna sit here and like chastise kids for being kids. Go get in some trouble. But like, this is ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like,
1: like oh. do do? well, now do we do sound old though, and I'm, I'm trying to think of an equivalent, or maybe there wasn't even one when we were younger. But like, we sound old chastising that. But you're right, obviously. Like, that was for a plethora of reasons why that was just heinous. But, like, I'm trying to think of, like, something when we were younger, in the same vein of craziness, that, like, we would have been like, oh, no, dude, it's our right to be out there. We're just having fun. I can't. I would have been in that mob.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I probably would have, man, because I didn't give a fuck when I was a kid. I didn't care. Yeah, right. Lock me up. I don't give a shit. Put me in Lincoln Park I, through
1: like, a big free concert in Times Square, we all would have been in that bitch, <laughs> you know, right. like, going crazy, big giveaway or whatever for a PlayStation 2. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I, I can tell you this though, in in my whole life, I've hated crowds, never liked crowds, never liked yeah. waiting. So I don't know, maybe I wouldn't have been there uh, or maybe I'd have just been there to just be there, you know, just to be in the mix. Um, yeah, it's true. Cause crowds it is exciting. Are, it's uncomfortable.
1: It's un- I don't know, but I love it at concerts, but I hate it elsewhere. I hate like crowded stores. New York's overwhelming for me. It's fun to go visit, but like I would never live there just cause of the sheer, a mass amount of people. And that, right. that's what I like in Chicago. Comparatively, it's like you have the downtown, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's that is what it is. But then you have like, I don't want to say burbs, but like all the little boroughs that kind of surround the city. And that's like where people live. But like in New York, it's just that, you know, it's just like buildings and people everywhere all the time alive. City never sleeps. It's just too much. It is too too much. much.
0: It is too much. Uh, Speaking of Chicago and mobs. Look at the segues. This is Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson. He seems like a lovely. That's not appropriate. We're not talking about mob actions. I didn't say that. Uh, Okay, what I'm. Hold on a second. Okay. Respectfully. These large gatherings. These large gatherings. Just hold on a second, y'all. I promise you. We have time to talk. It's important that we speak of these dynamics in an appropriate way. This is not to obfuscate what is actually taking place. This was the scene near Roosevelt and Canal Sunday night. Groups (laughs) looted a convenience
1: store. More than three dozen teenagers were arrested, along with a 12-year-old and at least one 20-year-old. Store owners say it was the second such incident in that area in just
0: the past few weeks. And today, Mayor Johnson commended Chicago police for the way they handled it. To the best of their ability, I believe that they attempted to engage with our young people, with community partners, giving as much warning as they possibly could. And, you know, unfortunately arrests, you know, were made. It's so soft. You saw that video. I mean, if you're not watching it, the, the, the video was hundreds. I think the, the total was between three and 400 youths convening on a 7-Eleven and just completely tearing it to shreds, looting the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Just fucking like, acting like absolute feral animals. And the mayor was so conscious to not use language like mob. He didn't want to use the word mob. It's just like, what does it matter at that point? Call them whatever the fuck you want. Call them sweethearts. I don't care. But like your focus on this language and then also, you know, unfortunately, arrests are made. Unfortunately, arrest all of them. Are you kidding yeah, me? Look at what right. they're doing to the Seven Eleven. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, you preside over a city that's ridden with crime. I don't think people have much more tolerance for this shutout. I have a lot more examples for us later in the show, but speaking about this one specifically, I know that this mayor was elected and that there were a lot of people on the right that warned about him being, you know, left of left uh, and that he would make Lori Lightfoot look like a vacation compared to his policies. I don't know anything about him. Uh, This is kind of my first introduction to, you know, his policy in, in... in the limelight, but this is not a good look. You know, like why, why be so soft on it? If you know, this is a problem that, and I don't know if you heard the the reporters that were, that were interjecting, but he was like saying like, you know, these groups, you know, without using that language, these groups. And the one lady in the back was like, they cause destruction. (laughs) And he was getting pissed because he wouldn't let, but like, call him whatever the fuck you want.
1: Who cares? Right out of Oxford Languages Dictionary, a large crowd of people, especially one that is disorderly and intent on causing trouble or violence. I I don't think there's a better word. Yeah, like, it's true. I I know he's trying to, like, disassociate these young kids and, and, you know, the shit the kids do from, like, the idea of, like, Al Capone you know which is something that hangs over chicago a little bit but that is i mean that is what's going on here like that's a mob of youth doing crazy shit. like it, it's got to get shut down i will say though i like this guy way more than laurie lightfoot one he's fucking from the area laurie lightfoot mm. was from ohio and just out of touch she, she was a failed experiment here in chicago this guy i might not agree with most of like his political shit, but as a politician and whatnot i, I do like how he carries himself like even getting pushback from those reporters. He he was cool, calm, collected, respectful in how he was engaging back with them. There's things I see that I like from this guy, at least compared to his predecessor. But yeah, I mean, trying uh, trying to like cl- clean up the language when it's very obvious what we're looking at is, it's a little silly to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, just as a politician, especially as the mayor, you're the figurehead of the city. You, you know, people are going to take their cues from you. It's, it seems, and, and this is CBS reporting, right? So we, had, I didn't see the whole press conference, but in this clip, it seems as though what is most important to him is not necessarily what had happened, but the language surrounding what had happened and you know he he was it would seem distraught that the police had to make arrests. and it's like well what what would you have sir
1: yeah and also just over this weekend this is a tweet from uh chicago contrarian interesting uh twitter chicago recorded six homicides and another 23 shot this weekend among the six killed was an eight-year-old girl who was shot in the head for being too loud. Mayor has been totally silent, so I, I don't know why we're seeing like such a I don't know like a callous view towards like everything that's going on, you know, from him. Like you can't ignore it and think the problem is going to go away. Like there have to be steps taken to stop this shit because this is it's sad how six is like oh that was a, that was a slow week that was a slow week for Chicago like yeah. that's that is not acceptable.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not acceptable at all, and and uh, yeah, like you said, it's a slow week. I think the week. Not not this past weekend, the weekend before, there was like forty shootings. Yeah, in Chicago. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's uh, it's it, and, and it's and it's not just Chicago. Here's Oakland. We just did a little segment on the Bay Area uh, not too long ago, but I think this is a nice little follow up to it because now we're hearing from the the actual citizens of Oakland and, and what they think about what's going on. I love Oakland. It's very hard for
1: me and my son, especially my son.
0: So Kristen Cook is leaving Oakland, California. Be careful. After living here her entire life. I can't take it anymore. I got to the point I was too scared to leave my house. Cook blames brazen assaults and robberies in broad daylight, break-ins, and home invasions across the city. As Oakland sees a surge in reported violent crimes this year compared to last. Well, homicides are down, robberies, burglaries, and rape are all up by double-digit percentages. Everyone we talk to says it doesn't matter your race, your income, everyone seems to be a target, including carjackings like this one.
1: No. They're cardiacing people at stop sign, and my son is about to start driving. The fact that I am being pushed out because I
0: emotionally can't take it anymore is horrible. But Tony Bird is staying. She lives with a locked front gate and five security cameras. Bird says Oakland so police recommended steel braces for residential doors and I mean, I air horns. The idea is if you set it off, your neighbor would hear it set theirs off. And more people are alert that there's danger. That's uh, how I saw, I saw people in Oakland have to live now.
1: Air horn rape whistles.
0: Air horn wa- rape whistles and, uh, uh, you know, put bars over your windows and, and your doors of your house to stay safe. I, was,
1: I see yeah. that everywhere here, man. I'm sure you do. You go west side, south side of Chicago, you won't find a house that doesn't have gates out front with locks and doors and windows, you know, gated or locked. It's, it's sad, man. It's so it is sad. sad. And it,
0: you know, it used to be that Oakland and actually East Palo Alto, because of zoning and, and the way that they they zoned Palo Alto was at one point not too long ago the murder capital of the United States. Some of these homes are like in the backyard of Stanford University, which is hilarious. So it used to be that there was pockets of the Bay Area that had terrible crime and now it's everywhere. This is a, a woman in San Francisco. Just getting groceries, and I live in San Francisco and I never really feel fully safe. If you live in San Francisco, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And I just got groceries. I'm walking out of the store and this guy is walking past me and says, move, you stupid bitch. And he spits in my face, spits it's all over my face. And then I say, excuse me, did you just spit in my face? And he says, move or I'll rape you. There's also people everywhere and everyone's just walking by because they're like, I can't handle something else in San Francisco. It's always something else. I don't even know why I'm posting this. If you live in San Francisco, do you feel this way all the time? I don't feel safe ever. I literally never feel safe. It's better when it's daylight. But
1: nighttime? No, not leaving my house. Move or I'll rape you. I don't know. I'll call. I'll call mm. Blue's Clues on that one. But also, like in all these cities, dude, like if you're not comfortable, get the fuck out of there. That's right. right. That's why you're seeing the max, the mass exodus of all these cities, and they happen to mostly be Democrat-run. It's just not the the policies in place are not effective, and like obviously we see it in the inner cities, but like. Now it's leaking into the cities and affecting white people a little more. And they're like, Hey, I don't like this. <laughs> right,
0: and it's funny that you say white people because, uh, you know, that happens and has been happening to, uh, uh, Asian citizens of San Francisco for years and years and years like bad, really? like, dude, Oh my God. I like, if I took the time to like, uh, scour the internet, I could find video on video on video. And it's usually, uh, uh a black on Asian crime. Like if, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but it's mm. almost exclusively black people like either like punching an Asian person for no reason, or like there've been stabbings, pushing over old Asian... I don't know what it is. I don't know why that exists. Anyways, uh, this is from the Wall Street Journal asking why San Francisco is a homeless mecca. You know, I think vagrancy has a lot to do with the feeling of, of not being safe and the unpredictability of somebody who's homeless and most likely on drugs. California has spent more than 20 billion on housing for the homeless since 2020, yet public encampments continue to grow as San Francisco progressives are learning government can build more shelter but that does not mean the homeless will use them. The city of San Francisco released data last week showing that 55% of homeless individuals rejected shelter when offered. I mean, what have we said on the show? Right? Like you can't force somebody to be a participant in their life. You can offer them something but you have n- there's absolutely no guarantee that they're going to take the help that you're 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 trying to give them in the first place. I think that's like this savior complex that we have that we think we can just give people things and it's like oh well if this were me and i were you know i needed a help i would you know i would be able to accept this right mm, it's like yeah, they, right. these people don't give a fuck what are they, they they obviously just care about getting their next fix that's the only thing they're they're concerned about especially if these shelters are are, are not uh, allowing uh the residents to you know use drugs or have to you know take a drug screening things like that i don't give a shit they were doing just fine on the on the street. Days earlier, a giant fire destroyed a housing complex under construction. The blaze is under investigation, but residents in the area say they repeatedly complained to the city about fires igniting around homeless encampments. Mayor London Breed threw a hands up response We can't force people to accept or stay in shelters, and we're unable to prevent people from setting up an encampment in an area that was just cleaned. This is the situation we are in. So even the mayor is just like, I am hopeless <laughs> about what we can do about this situation. I don't know. So fuck, man. I don't know. And I think, I think you know we've kind of described it before, but I I think the, the inevitable solution is going to be uh the return of some sort of asylum. Mm. Some sort of uh mental institution um where you lock up people who are you know mentally unwell, hooked on drugs. Or phonics. <laughs> hooked on phonics.
1: So they're they're gone. I didn't realize that those institutions had been removed.
0: <laughs> yeah Ronald Reagan um had uh discontinued the use of insane asylums. Like, mean, for, probably for good reason, right? Like, we were pouring lobotomies on people.
1: You know, I was going like, to say, for science of the times, yeah, that probably makes sense. But, like, today, I think it would, I mean, it, I know it would be approached much more, you know, carefully and socially conscientious or whatever, whatever that is for how they would treat mental health. Like... It'd probably actually be very effective these days. It,
0: it would be effective only, only for the, if, if only for the reason that we're getting people off the streets mm-hmm. and people begin to feel safer in their homes. Right. Um, mm-hmm. It do, it is a good sign that the mayor of San Francisco is kind of calling it out and just saying that you know, hey, I don't have the answers. We're trying things. We can't make these people, right? You can, I've said it a million times. You cannot force somebody to participate in their own lives that is not participating in their own lives. That's the problem. These people don't want to participate in their own lives. So you give them their help, and they, what, what do they give a shit about your help? People are coming here for so many different reasons, including the ease of getting access to drugs, the mayor recently noted. Since 2016, San Francisco homeless budget has ballooned to $672 million from $224 million. Yet the number of homeless in shelters has increased by a mere 700. 36. Oh my God. Mm. Hold on a second. That's three and a half million dollars. Th- excuse me, $350 million, $350 million, $350 million in the past seven years. And they've only been able to get 736 more people into shelters. Oh so, and look, that, that's not San Francisco's fault. I mean, the policies are, are absolutely San Francisco's fault. The reason that people feel uh, uh, comfortable going to San Francisco and living in the street and taking drugs absolutely has to do with the policies that San Francisco has enacted. But it is not their fault that they can't fix that problem. They created a problem that's unfixable unless you round. These people up and you get them sober and you force them to not take drugs and you know sedate them for two weeks and put an IV in their arm and clean them out. I mean, like to me, like, that's the only solution and 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 I think that's inevitably what's going to happen. Let's see, San Francisco homeless epidemic is a result in large part of the. Familiar problems of drug addiction and mental illness, but a particular problem is the refusal to prosecute drug crimes. In 2014, California's Prop 47, which was backed by Governor uh, Gavin Newsom and other progressives, effectively decriminalized drug use and shoplifting. Localities cannot use the threat of jail to induce addicts to receive treatment, which is probably a good idea. Mm -hmm. They they don't use jail as 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 a method of trying to get people clean, but, you know, crime's a crime. So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you fix it. Luckily, the United States is not the only one with problems. Are you familiar with Alexei Navalny? He was the Russian opposition politician to Vladimir Putin.
1: Before Zelensky?
0: This, well, I guess this is like coincides with Zelensky, but Zelensky is the president of Ukraine. This guy is uh, a Russian citizen.
1: Oh, 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 okay. No, no, no. I don't know him then.
0: And he was basically running for the office of the presidency. Uh, Against Putin. And you can't do that. Mm. You just can't do that. If you've never seen the movie Navalny on HBO, I highly, highly, highly recommend this movie. It's a documentary that follows Alexei Navalny and his opposition campaign to Vladimir Putin and... He, in the middle of it is, either the middle of the beginning, he's uh, uh, poisoned by what investigators uh, had said was the Russian nerve agent Novichok. Um, He survived. Shouldn't have survived. He survived.
1: Is his skin's like all fucked up now?
0: No, no, I don't think so. Oh, no?
1: So I am thinking, okay, the former Ukrainian president who had like first started nudging up with the U.S., he got like poisoned by Russia and almost died and looks like a totally different person. Now that's who really? I was sitting here talking about. Yeah.
0: So he, he uh, was poisoned and then he was charged with conspiracy or, oh, extremism. And he was out of the country when he was charged. And then he got poisoned and then he survived. And he said, I'm not going to make my life about hiding from Vladimir Putin. So he came back to Russia, was arrested immediately, thrown into a penal colony mm. and was uh, was sentenced. And then just this past Friday, he was sentenced to an additional 19 years in prison Uh, on charges of extremism. In comments posted to social media after the 19-year sentence came down, Mr. Navalny made it clear that he has no illusions about what he's up against. Quote, the number doesn't matter. I understand very well that like my political prisoners, I am serving a life sentence where life is measured by the duration of my life or the life of this regime. He added that Mr. Putin's goal in persecuting him is to frighten and intimidate everyone else who might be tempted to resist. You are being forced to surrender your Russia without a fight to a gang of traitors, thieves, and scoundrels who have seized power. Probably not a whole lot of uh, people that disagree agree with that outside of russia yep that's all i got on Navalny. but i do recommend going in and watching that movie it's really really good and it's sad it's like it's kind of heartbreakingly sad mm. uh, i'll check it out
1: uh college football is broken it's broken yeah i mean have you seen what's going on lately um i think it's strengthening from what i'm seeing
0: well the money's strengthening <laughs> i mean
1: like yeah but
0: like college football as we as we knew it, it it's no longer i'm right? for like,
1: that though I'm really four. fuck. Fuck the bull system. That whole th- it was just not interesting. wasn't working. If it if it takes the obviously like the temptation of making more money to fix it, I'm, I'm about that what we're going to eventually see now that they're moving towards like two or three major conferences is like a large playoff format in a few years. It's moving towards like what March Madness does. I'm for it, man. And I'm excited because now I get to, I mean, as as the Big Ten has added USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington, like now I'm getting, we're getting to see some more talent, some, uh, some teams that we really never got to watch those games over this way. And I know you got to see them all the time on the West Coast, but I, I never really got to watch those teams. And I, I think that ups the level of play in the Big Ten. It, it stops it from, you know, Ohio State ran the Big Ten For ten years, you know, if if more of these bigger teams are in there, maybe that doesn't happen, or you know, just it kind of adds adds a little bit of flavor to it. It it shakes up recruiting. You won't just see all the big people go to Bama, you know, Clemson, Ohio State. Like it it shakes it up to where some schools, like a Washington or UCLA, that haven't been like as big, now have a chance to actually to shine in a a bigger conference with more eyes on them, more recruits want to go there. So I think it shakes up the spread of talent a little bit, too. So I, I'm for it. I, I, I like what I've been seeing.
0: The Big Ten Conference will now have 18 members.
1: <laughs> they got to change their name, I think. <laughs> uh,
0: the Pac-12 will cease to exist after 2024, uh, as there's only four members currently uh, that will uh, survive from everybody else's exodus. The Big 12 is now uh, up to 16 members, uh, which is uh, the same as the SEC. Yeah, I don't know, man. I... <laughs> I think this is the inevitable path, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, like you mentioned the PAC 12, it's a West coast bias. People, you know, if there's primetime games in Washington or in LA or in Arizona, nobody's watching that on the East coast. Uh, Meaning that most of those highlights get pushed down into the next day and nobody really, nobody really watches. So I think the NCAA, I don't know, man, they got to do something because what it is, is it's, semi-professional football being masqueraded as college football
1: yeah that's what it's turned into at the nil
0: and uh so you know like like i don't know man i just it, it may, maybe it's just new and and uh, i'm i'm naive but i, I just feel like uh, you know th- th- there should be a difference and you know the athletics department of these colleges are becoming so crucial to these colleges that they're now one in the same so you cannot separate them So it's just a, you know, it's just inevitably they're just going to try and consolidate more power and
1: more power and more power. What I think is inevitable, though, is they're going to have to lengthen the college football season. Because, like, how do you you win the Big Ten and you're playing three, sometimes four out-of-conference games at the beginning of the year to warm up? And then you have, usually it's been like eight or so games in, in the conference. But now even with those eight games, you're still not playing 10 of the other teams in the big 10. Like, so how do you really, how do you crown the, the like who should go to even to the big 10 championship if you haven't even played half of the entire conference, you know, it's A little strange. So I I would hope to see maybe at least some of those opening bullshit games that all the teams just like dominate and kinda warm up in go away. Although that sucks for the smaller schools, like I know Mm -hmm. they rely on that for money. But like I really, I'd like to see more conference play. If if you're going to have 18 teams in the Big Ten, I'd like to see you play at least, you know, 14 or 15 of them if if you're going to go and play for the Big Ten championship. I I, I don't know how they're going to do that. Like, alternate, like, obviously Ohio State and Michigan will play every year, but then, like, Michigan only plays Wisconsin every other year or Minnesota every other year, you know, or, you know, like, how does that that work? Like, they have to redo divisions completely within the Big Ten for sure. They'll have to.
0: Yeah. It almost seems
1: like they'll have to do like four of them. But no, you'll you, probably do. You'll know.
0: probably do two. There'll be two. You kind of have nine. to
1: for the Big Ten championship the way that's set up. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just I, I feel like you're gonna have to add more games, which makes sense because then it's more opportunities to make money. You make college football a little bit longer, which I don't think anyone would be like sad about. I love college football, but it is something interesting to think about with with all those teams.
0: I tell you what, I can't wait for Rutgers Oregon. <laughs> Sign me up. That old that age old rivalry of Rutgers yeah. versus Oregon.
1: <laughs> I think uh, the Big Ten's maybe kicking themselves a little bit for adding Rutgers and uh, who's it, Maryland that they Maryland. added? Like, those those are useless teams in the Big Ten. They fucking suck. They're not, I would be willing to get bet that maybe they would be on their way out potentially.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that contract looks like, but.
1: Yeah, exactly. The
0: women's team. Let's mm-hmm. talk about them for a second. You blew it. You blew it hard, man. I didn't watch any game. No. And I, and I, think, and I think that's just due to the, like the time it, it was on. It's just, didn't make any sense Mm -hmm. for me to be up at 1.45 in the morning. But it kind of went out with a whimper. The U.S. women's soccer team suffered its worst ever finish in a major tournament this week, playing to a scoreless draw with Sweden and then losing on penalty kicks in the women's World Cup round of 16. Uh, That was uh, capped off by uh, Megan Rapinoe's just... I don't know what you want to call that. She looked old from the highlights I saw, man. She looked. (laughs) uh, But a sharp increase in tournament prize money for this tournament allowed the U.S. women to secure their biggest prize purse ever despite not winning the title. And their pay has boosted even higher thanks to a unique agreement in which they share in the prize money won by the U.S. men's team at the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. uh, When asked about what her crowning achievement was with U.S. soccer, Megan Rapinoe said it was probably fair pay that they get. So between the two, the U.S. women's players will receive uh, $7,312,500 in net prize money from this 2022-2023 World Cup cycle. That's the same as the U.S. men's team, which also lost in the round of 16 at their World Cup. FIFA more than tripled the total women's world cup prize pool for the 2023 tournament 210 million from 30 million in 2019 fifa's designated award for reaching the knockout stage where the us women finished was 3 and a quarter million per team so uh let's see under their current labor deal with the us soccer federation players are set to receive 90% of that payout and us soccer keeps 10% of the cut and they get again they get a cut of the men's prizes as well
1: see that's interesting that they're even bro because they're viewership does not support that at all it makes no sense that that'd be the case other than just like a pat on the back going just off statistics the final match of the men's 2022 world cup final had a 1.5 billion viewers worldwide Mm. and that around 5 billion people engaged with the tournament as a whole Uh, the women's world cup final in 2019 only garnished 216 million views worldwide and had a draw of 1.2 billion just throughout the tournament so I, I don't understand why they would be paid the same. That doesn't make any sense to me. I, I Just following the money. Like, I'm not, it sounds like an asshole thing to say, but that it's a business, so I, I that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. It's the same as the WNBA, like we were just talking about a few weeks ago. Like, it, it feels good to say that they're making the same amount of money, but, like, it, I, that's got to come out to a net loss at some point. Like, I, it's... it's It's just strange. I don't know. Yeah. I do not um, know. But in the women's defense for this World Cup, we've kind of been playing shitty all World Cup. We really weren't doing what we're used to doing as a team. This was the first game where they actually, like, looked decent. Uh, They lost some penalties, obviously, but they looked better. But we're the number one team. We have been for a long, long time. Sweden is the number three team in the world. So it's... It's not like a bad loss to lose to Sweden, like as opposed to if we would have lost to a lot of other teams in this tournament. Or like the fact that we didn't beat a lot of other teams in this tournament and, and drew them and things like that early on. That's also why we found ourselves in the position playing Sweden when we did, but...
0: Yeah, what's ah. interesting here is that uh, the F- uh, president of FIFA, Johnny Infantino, has said that soccer's governing body aims to award equal prize money at the Men and Women's World Cups uh, by the end of the 2027-2028 World Cup cycle. So, I mean, like, just like, like, how do you... How, if you're... a if you earn more, but then that money that you've earned collectively is then siphoned to create equal pay for somebody else who's like theoretically doing something completely different. Like, I know you're playing the same game, but it's not the same tournament. Nothing about it is the same other than it's called the World Cup. Everything about it is different. And sponsors, where it's played, who's playing it, how much money it brings in, <laughs> you know, like all of the things. Mm-hmm. I, that Like, like... Short of saying that like women shouldn't get paid as much as men, it seems I'll always have an issue with that argument that, like, in order to make pay equal for doing this, for doing, for playing the same sport, we're going to have to take from the men. That's like, oh, yeah. That's like, that's sure to ruffle some feathers, you know? That's going to make people upset. Like, like, why? Like, that's, I don't know.
1: But I do think that it's different looking from the sports world which is like a business that makes you, you know makes money and and has concrete data as far as sponsors and, mm-hmm. and viewership and all these other things then you bring it into the work like a normal workforce i i do think that like women in in the workforce should there shouldn't be this pay gap that we've always seen like and it, it seems like it's increasingly getting smaller but like that doesn't make as much sense to me only the only thing i'll say is that like the i the idea of maternity leave would make that a little bit less because you're gonna have months, three plus months of not working and getting paid. That's got to be considered. That's there's got to be some trade trade-off leeway there. But otherwise, like well, right, but you know, most it should of what, be more equal.
0: Most of what is presented to us is not like, hey, this person and this person do the exact same job, and this guy, for having a dick, gets paid twenty cents more an hour than this person. That's not mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. It's almost always looked at collectively. So it's like, okay, men, men. In this field, or in this, you know, whatever, like, however, you want to group them, make this much. Women make this much, and there's a gap. So, okay, what are the men doing? What are the women doing? Mm. How many more men than women are there working? Like, like, is there is there some sort of bias? I'm I'm sure there is, right? I'm not not here to deny that. But also in like in this instance, when you have to take from somebody else to make it equal, then it was never equal in the first place. Like, it, like it,
1: Yeah, exactly. Or like with the WNBA the ESPN and the NBA have to subsidize your league and you still don't know how to profit. <laughs> like, Do you know eh, what I
0: mean? Uh. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. But at the end of the day, it's like, if you can't stand on your own accord.
1: Other thing I wanted to say about sports, I didn't mention this with the WNBA. If women are so concerned with that, then they should support women's sports more. It's not on men to all, all of a sudden as being like the main sports fans of the world, change what they watch just because socially you should be told to do this. Right. You know, I I don't know. That's always Mm -hmm. what I've thought. Just the thought of Alex Kenzie.
0: This is going to be frustrating to people who are just listening, but damn it, I don't care. What we're about to watch is a brawl. It's a brawl in Alabama. I'll give you some background before I show you this. There was a riverboat operator who was asking a uh, a group of people in a pontoon boat to move their boat because it was parked it wasn't parked where it was supposed to be. And this riverboat needed to, it, it, it had rights to that parking spot. So the riverboat operator came on to the to the pier and basically told the guys, hey, move your fucking boat. I need this space. And the people who were in the Pont two boat got violent with the riverboat operator. Now, for what it's worth, the riverboat operator who needed the parking space that the pontoon boat was not supposed to be parked in. It was black, and the people in the pontoon boat who were parked incorrectly were white. Chaos ensues. <laughs> so right now it's just one younger-looking white fella and the riverboat operator looks to be, I don't know, 40s, 50s, heavier set black man. And he's getting jumped right now. Now it's five on one, six on one.
1: All right, here comes a friend to help our friend get jumped here. Ran down. The best one's about to happen right here. Yes, dude. A dude comes swimming down. up, dude.
0: So it looks like, it looks like there's a, a dock and then maybe about... 50 feet of water and then the dock where the bra is happening and there's a young gentleman he's swimming that channel to come to this riverboat operator's aid.
1: Defying stereotypes as well, I would mention. Ready to throw down. Now it looks as though yeah. the black people are outnumber the white people and the white people have retreated Woo. to their pontoon boat oh. in fear. Got Woo. fucking rocked.
0: They Look oh, yeah.
1: They He's feeling that one.
0: Woo. Woo. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a good old
1: fashioned race that's riot right here. That's what they get. That's so true, man. I, I agree. Try to jump a black dude. Yeah, there's no, there's no point in getting violent with that
0: man who's telling him to move. Oh, someone just got pushed in the water. Get in the water.
1: <laughs> and there's, it's funny, though, because there's police, and they can't even, they're just, like, standing within the crowd trying to break it up, but it's, it's like they're just like, we're just going to let this one play out for a second.
0: Here comes my favorite part.
1: <laughs> the chair. Dude, yes, the Steve. dude with the chair. <laughs> he fucking, he's going to jail. He got arrested. Did he? Yeah. Dude, he, right here. If you... Oh, is that... Okay. It keeps going in, in, oh. in another clip I saw. Right there, dude. He bashes that woman in that the red woman? with the oh, chair. Oh, my goodness. Got a wrist, yeah. He got a, he cuffed instantly.
0: Yeah, you should. Probably, you should probably be arrested. I mean, I don't know. Like, none of that's really great. But uh, once you bring a folding chair and, and like, it's not. It's not. You wrestling, start going dude. WWE style. Yeah, <laughs> that's a weapon. That's a weapon. Yeah, people. Can there was die another.
1: There's at the very end of the video too. Uh, this like one of the guys was getting cuffed and there's this black dude and a white woman that were kind of like in each other's face just a little bit and the black guy just kind of nudges her into the cop and the cop turns around and like pushes the white lady like get the fuck away from me (laughs) he just kind of set her up it's it's
0: pretty Uh, funny uh, I'll give you some uh, some facts on it Um, the brawl appeared to start when a pontoon boat prevented a large Larger riverboat from docking. When the black riverboat worker objected, he was attacked by a group of white men. The conflict escalated when a group of about six black men from the riverboat confronted the white party. Cheered on by bystanders, they beat the three white men and two women, and at least one of whom who could be seen first striking others by running up and throwing her body into them from behind. At least two of the women jumped or were pushed into the river. A third was beaten over the head with a folding chair. After the arrival of police officers, the brawl subsided and then briefly reignited before police begin cuffing the participants black and white. Montgomery's mayor, Stephen Reed, said in a statement on Sunday that several people involved in the fighting on Saturday had been detained. Uh, quote, this is an unfortunate incident which should have never occurred. Agreed. In the face of adversity, Aaron selfishly came to the rescue of a fellow colleague, showcasing courage beyond his years. The statement from publicist Makina La Shia Red. Yeah. I mean, I, like, yeah, you, you'll want to spin that. Right. Especially if they're going to, if they're going to face charges and yeah, I don't know. I don't know. How do you litigate? <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's right. like, they're obviously, like, obviously you should like just move your boat. Right. Like why, why do you have to get violent with somebody? And then, and then, you know, like probably shouldn't have turned into a riot, but like, also you kind of invited that on yourself. So
1: mm-hmm. I, I don't have much sympathy, but I don't know. We'll see. Do we have time to get into the Obama biographer before we get out of no. here? No, no, we do oh. not. Next I'll say that for then. another
0: time. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. It was
0: interesting though, because this guy was, he's not a, he's not a, he's not a, he's not a hack. He's like he's a Pulitzer winning uh, biographer. And he had some really interesting things to say about <sighs> former president, Barack Obama.
1: So maybe next time on the friendship, Stay Stay tuned. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, in the meantime, if you guys want to find any of our materials, you can find us on Twitter at FriendshipNH, TikTok and Instagram at FriendshipNewsHour. And you can always send us an email to bummerdude.media at gmail.com. Bummerdude.media at com. Frank? Hell yeah. We'll see you next time.